Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Influence with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. India's richest man is now Asia's richest. Business magnate and chairman, managing director and largest shareholder of Reliance Industries, Mukesh Ambani, has elbowed Jack Ma from top spot for the title of Asia's richest. Last week, Facebook brokered a deal with Ambani to buy almost 10% of Reliance digital assets for 5.7 billion US dollars, the social media giant's largest purchase in the last six years. Today, we're joined by James Crabtree, Associate Professor of Practice, Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy, and the author of a terrific book published in 2018, The Billionaire Raj, A Journey Through India's New Gilded Age. Welcome to the show, James. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing really well. I know you're joining us from home and homeschooling is on your mind, so I'm going to jump into it. What is driving India's growth story as you see it, James? And how do you see progressing vis-a-vis China in a post-COVID-19 world? Not very much is driving India's growth story at the moment, unfortunately. Um, its economy is in a pretty bad shape. It was in reasonably bad shape before the COVID crisis, and it's going to be in much, much worse shape after that. But what's attracting Facebook here is a, is a couple of things, one of which is just a huge number of online consumers in, in India, so 1.3 billion people, and in part thanks to the telecom company that Mukesh Ambani set up, Reliance Geo, um, more than half of them are online now. So it's Facebook's largest market by users, and that's part of the reason why they've been attracted uh, uh, to, to make this deal that was announced last week. Your book gives us a big picture of India's so-called gilded age. Do you think the pandemic, with all its market turmoil and with the oil slump, has that reshuffled wealth of India's billionaires at all? So my book, The Billionaire Raj, deals with the extraordinary rise of India's new super-rich, um, which ballooned over the last couple of decades. And, and on some measures, India is creating uh, billionaire wealth uh, as quickly as any country in history. And that will be hit very hard by the coronavirus uh, outbreak. So um, billionaire wealth is in large part held in companies. And so if big companies are not doing very well, then you can expect you know, the wealth of billionaires overall to fall. But they're much more resilient, obviously, to the downturn than ordinary people because they have stacks of money in the first place. So I think it's more likely to make India even less equal as a country, even if the billionaires themselves suffer a, a small dent in their fortunes. So more inequality. I mean, like Ma Ambani seems to stand for the digital transformation of a country. So is he part of a new wave of wealthy in India who are building their fortunes on networks that could ultimately provide opportunities for inequality to be reduced, allowing for SMEs to thrive and the smaller players uh, to thrive as well? Ambani is a curious character. So Jack Ma grew wealthy on, on by setting up Alibaba, which was only a digital business. Um, Mukesh Ambani has... It's part of a family dynasty that has its background in industrial wealth. So they were in oil refining, petrochemicals, textiles, all sorts of things. And it's only relatively recently that he's tried to set himself up as this digital tycoon to rival Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Ma himself. Um, I, I think the premise of your question, which is in the long run, are there some ways in which this new digital revolution could make um, could spread prosperity? I, I think absolutely. Um, the investments that Mukesh Ambani has made over the last five years where he's put the best part of $50 billion into creating this new telecoms business creates huge opportunities. There's lots of people, poor people in India who have access to good internet connections or smallholders 
Um, on the other hand, it also creates new forms of inequality as well, because some people are better able to use these new digital technologies than others. Mm. Indeed. How hard has it been for U.S. tech companies to gain a foothold in India? Well, it's much easier than China, so they can't get into China at all. So, in, in relatively speaking, uh, India has been a cakewalk, and and so uh, for Facebook, Twitter, Google, all the big uh, U.S. tech companies, India is their largest market by users. That doesn't mean that they're earning any money in India because people in India don't have very much money, so they tend to have hundreds of millions of users, but not actually be making very much money. But it's getting harder to do business in India. Uh, India is becoming more nationalist and protectionist. You see, as in other countries, a wave of techno-nationalism, new rules, for instance, on whether you have to keep data in the country or whether you can keep it on the cloud. Um, And that's partly why, again, coming back to this Facebook deal, it's partly Mm. why um, Mark Zuckerberg decided, I think, to go into bed with Mukesh Ambani because he looked at other companies that have tried to do business in India, like Walmart and Amazon in particular, who have got themselves tied up in in lots of regulatory red tape, Mm -hmm. in part because they tried to take on Mukesh Ambani himself, the the richest man in India and richest man in Asia. And I think Facebook decided better just to get into bed with this guy um, and, in a sense, be friends with him and, and the benefits of political connections that come with that than trying to take him on and getting into a big fight do you see more tech companies doing that, using Ambani as sort of a gateway to the country? I think probably not now. I mean, in a sense, now he's made a deal with one of the big U.S. tech companies. I'm not sure why he, why or how he'd be able to do separate deals with the others. Um, and in a sense, Facebook is the biggest of all of these, particularly because of WhatsApp. It's the, by far the most popular messaging service in India. So I, I don't think that that route is now going to be open to the other big American tech giants. But they will also be trying to think, how can we avoid, given how important India's market is to their future growth, how can we avoid getting into a situation in which the Indian government sees us as a foreign body and decides to to, um, make our lives much more difficult? So what does this $5.7 billion deal with Facebook really mean for Ambani's Reliance Geo? Well, they're quite complementary in, in, in a funny way. So Reliance Geo started out as a, it, it, it was an infrastructure company. So Reliance are very good at building broadband networks. And they built this mobile 4G company from scratch. And, and he has incredible ambitions. I mean, he wants to, in a sense, create something that's equivalent to AT&T, Facebook, and Amazon all rolled into one. But so far he hasn't had much success in creating a social media app that's as successful as Facebook or WhatsApp or Instagram. And so if you bring these two together, Facebook has the two most popular apps in India. Reliance has the infrastructure and also connections with not just customers, hundreds of millions of customers, but also small shopkeepers as well. And so that could be a pretty powerful combination. It also opens up the world of payments. So one of the reasons why Jack Ma and Alibaba became so wealthy, it wasn't just because of apps and chat messaging, it was because they had a very good payment system. And so WhatsApp in particular really wants to become a payments provider so people can send money via WhatsApp to one another. And they've had some difficulties with that, with regulation. And I think their hope is that with Mikesh Ambani's help, Mm. they might be able to unlock that um, and be able to start earning some money out of WhatsApp, which so far has hundreds of millions of users, but doesn't make a, doesn't make a sense. 
Your book starts chapter one. Um, chapter one is Ambani Land. Um, what can you tell us about the man or the Ambani clan? Well, the Ambanis are India's preeminent business dynasty. Um, uh, they have been for um, a, whole, a generation now. So although India has had enormous changes economically and politically over the last 20 or 30 years, one rock of consistency has been that the richest person in the country has always been an Ambani. First, Mukesh Ambani's father, and now Mukesh Ambani himself. Um, it's a soap opera, uh, an almost sort of Shakespearean soap opera, the way the family has dominated Indian corporate life. And Mukesh Ambani is a ruthlessly competitive businessman. Uh, a lot of people were skeptical about the fact that he would be able to succeed in his plan to turn himself from an industrial tycoon into a digital tycoon, but by throwing enormous amounts of money into this new business, actually, he's been very successful. Um, and, and so his position as India's corporate patriarch is now actually more, is actually stronger than it was five or, or ten years ago, and that's in large part why he is now the richest man in Asia. Great talking to you. Thank you for joining us. James Crabtree there, Associate Professor of Practice, Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy, and the author of the book, The Billionaire Raj, A Journey Through India's New Gilded Age. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.